We are really excited about this episode. It is the first in a two-part series. Yep, Karen and I have big announcements to share with enough big change to warrant this two-part series. Can you believe it? Hasn't 2020 had enough change, Jen? No, absolutely not. So that's why I'm going to ask you why you bought a building, moved your business, and why this crazy moment was the right time to do it. Are you ready? Ready. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Tell me about Third Man Cocktail. This has your favorite bourbon in it, if I understand. Yes. So first of all, everybody who listens knows that I love grapefruit juice. If a, if a cocktail has grapefruit anything, I'm on board. But I also recommended that we specifically use George Dickel bourbon because it is my favorite bourbon. And I recommend the eight-year over the 12-year. I think it's far smoother. But this this particular Third Man cocktail includes George Dickel bourbon, grapefruit juice, lemon juice, Campari, a little bit of simple syrup, and you serve it with a grapefruit slice. So Really quick, a little shout out to George Dickel uh, Bourbon. The The main distiller is a woman. Her name is Nicole Austin. She's a super bright woman who was a chemical engineer and who got into distilling kind of by accident. And I think the thing that she is known for is underscoring the importance of sustainability and transparency. And she almost runs like a craft distillery inside of a much bigger organization. And I just really admire that. I think she's... I'd like to meet her one day. So shout maybe out to George Dickel. Maybe we should ask her to be on our podcast. Love that. We could we could do that. We could totally so, do that. Yeah, this this drink is a tasty one. I enjoy it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I like the grapefruit and the lemon combined. Yes. I also like the fact that you and I had the craziest past few months. And we've kind of alluded to these things, big changes, making decisions in previous podcasts. But uh, what, what, what? What did we do? What are we thinking? You know, it's really, really funny because we both set out on a buying building process quite separately. We Like I knew that you were in the process of looking, that you had been kind of wistful over the building that you've purchased, but um, mine was quite far less premeditated than yours. Yeah. And we closed within days of each other and we used the same um, real estate agent. So, huh. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, to put it in context, so I have been in my space for about nine years. You have been in your space in Old Town for 20 years. Is that right? 22. 22. So you're looking at two business owners who have been leasing space for quite some time. We're in a fantastic neighborhood. We are neighbors. We're about a block and a half away from each other. Um, So it couldn't get better. And lots of different factors pointed both of us in the direction of major shifts. So what we want to do is talk about that a little bit. We're doing a two-point series because today I'm going to ask Karen all of the details about her new space. So spill it. Tell me and tell everybody else what you got going on. So I bought a building, my husband and I actually bought a building two blocks south of our current studio, still technically within the confines of Old Town. But what really happened that was when work from home and, and shelter in place was was happened as my husband and I were sitting across the dining room table from each other looking at each other during the business day I, I kept shaking my head saying oh, there's got to be something better on the other side of this and 
writing a monthly rent check for a building that was completely empty made me crazy. It made me anxious. It hurt. It hurt. It it hurt cash flow. It hurt other business decisions I really um, was making. And I kept thinking, I'm putting this money into somebody else's pocket and, and not reaping any return. And, um, you know, I have a beautiful studio when we rented it, when we started renting 22 years ago, we, our business model and just the industry in general was far more suited for, you know, clients coming in and entertaining them, taking care of them for the day, them making decisions as edits were being made. And it just doesn't happen that way anymore. Our client base is far more scattered. Uh, we've got lots of technology that helps with, with throughput. And we just don't need 3,000 square feet anymore. And I certainly was done paying for it. So what then made you make the decision to still have a space, slightly smaller, if I'm not mistaken, instead of just skipping having a space because you're all working just fine at home? Well, so real. first of all, real estate was always something that was in the back of my husband and I's mind as an investment strategy. It certainly wasn't on the table for this year. We were going to kick it down the road quite a bit. And we always thought that it would be more residential than commercial, like having, you know, duplexes or something. But um, we we have gear, right, that needs to be stored somewhere, first of all. We do have a lot of creative synergy when we are together and we enjoy each other. And we know that one day we will be back together again. But I certainly only needed about half the space that, you know, I need 1,500 square feet instead of 3,000. I need to have space to store the equipment. I want to have a space to gather. But some of my other need-to-haves when I was looking for commercial space was that I also wanted to have tenants. I wanted to also have other people in the building that would uh, contribute to positive cash flow, but also energy, so that while we are a little bit empty, the building still has life. I wanted a building that didn't need any major overhauls where parking was not at an additional cost. And if I could get extra storage, like an outbuilding or a garage, even better. How many buildings did you look at until you found the one you chose? Two. Only two? Uh, three. I it more. Oh, yeah. I mean, I visited three. I considered other ones, but I just didn't, they didn't check the boxes. Yeah. So you really started out with a specific Mary Poppins wish list of finding the perfect space. Yes. And, and I didn't consider anything that didn't check all the boxes or at least, you know, 90% of the boxes. And from the day I started looking to the day I closed was like 10 weeks. That's bananas. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I'm really, de- you know me, I am very decisive. You are very decisive. That's for sure. And you are very efficient once you make a decision. That's one of the things I appreciate you about you is um, when a decision has been made, you move really quickly to get to the end of it, of whatever that process is. So let me see. If I if I get your process right, I want to say you started considering this in late spring or early summer. Is that right? Yeah, it was, it was June. June. And then you. when did you find the building that was the right one for you? Early August. So really five weeks. Five weeks and done. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And how's your staff feeling? Is everybody excited? How everybody. <laughs> Do you miss so, your old space? Yeah. So I love, love, love 
where I was for 22 years. I made friends there. Um, clients became friends there. I certainly made, um, you know, great. I grew a lot there as a, as a business owner. And when we rebranded from such video to render, we did a whole overhaul just three years ago to make it reflect our brand. And so like the, the heart and soul we put into that was hard to walk away from. But I also feel like the new space is reflective of who we are. Our, the, like my team is excited. Everybody still has their own space. Just our bonus room is a little bit more modest. You know, in our old studio, we had lots of bonus room and we just don't need it. And um, yeah, it packing was horrible. It was like an archaeology dig because I lived there for 22 years. Yeah. You find all the things that you didn't remember that you kept and then you find the things that you really don't need to keep, but you have a hard time getting rid of. I, ha- I had to get really unemotional really quick to get through some of those choices. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, high fives to Facebook Marketplace and, and, and like free cycle sites, um, th- that meant that less went to waste. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me for a minute about the decision again. So you outlined this pretty well in the beginning, but sort of explain as a business owner who has been paying into a lease and now you and your husband have decided to quasi go into business together, obviously to to make this happen. And this is a family decision based on the business in which your husband's not a partner. Um, how does all of that work? And and I, I guess I want to know a little bit of that. And our listeners might want to know just the thinking that an entrepreneur and a family member have all that mashed up together. Just talk through those processes a little bit. So as I said before, my husband and I always knew that real estate investment was going to be you know, an investment strategy at some point. It, it certainly was not on the docket for you know, while we had a kindergartner and still putting away money for college, you know, frankly. So, you know, the extra dollars were are going elsewhere. But what we really, what we really noticed was that we could do it, first of all, because we knew what our budget was. We knew that if we could find a, biz, a building that had positive cash flow, that it would offset any expenses that we had. And we knew that after 22 years of me paying somebody else a million dollars in rent, when I did that math, I became incredibly makes, motivated. It it makes your stomach drop, doesn't it? That math. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I set up an LLC as we were looking at properties. And once we found the building that met all of our checkbox and and one of and two of those checkboxes that were very important were tenants and positive cash flow. We knew that th- we did the math on the building and we knew that it that all that alone would offset the expenses that we would have in running the building. Um because we we were able to get that information from the ex- the ex- the previous owner before um before the offer was made. And then knowing that we would have another tenant, my business, Render Studios, who would be paying rent. And the and the bonus of it all, with it being win-win, is that Render is going to be paying, you know, we'll pay half as much as we have been for the last many years, uh, but still c- contribute significantly to um, the positive cash flow for the holding company. It just, the, the, the math just worked. And um, so that's why we jumped so fast. 
I think it's so great and it's so interesting to hear because this is not a new concept, right? You are not the first person, nor am I, to do this kind of thing, but um, really thinking it through and understanding how that can work, you know, and it's it's not um, it's not an easy decision. And that's what I find so interesting about your decision because you had such a great space with a great relationship with your landlord. Everyone was comfortable, had had a perfect setup, and in 2020, which is the most insecure, strange time ever that we've been in business, you decided to make a big, scary shift. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I knew is I I saw once, once the pandemic, once we turned a little bit of a corner, of course, we're not out of it. But once there was a little bit of a corner, and I saw uh, residential real estate starting to take off, I knew that with the work from home and the way that we will forever shift the way that we work, um, I knew that commercial real estate was going to tank um, and that that's going to be a, a while to heal itself. And so I was, because there was a motivated seller for this particular building, I knew that because he had another project that he wanted to take on, that he would be motivated to get out from underneath this building. So what's next for you? Have you unpacked all the boxes? Have you put all your things in the right places? Have you fixed all the lighting? What's what's happening with making that new space home? Um, you know, the 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 previous owner only owned the building for like 9 months, not even a year. Um, actually it was almost nearly a year. But anyway, not quite a year. And he bought it because it had been sitting vacant um for quite some time. And so he put a bunch of people in it for short-term leases uh, while he flipped the house and he did all the upgrades and it's beautiful inside. Um, so in terms of making it ours, it's really about, first of all, I needed, right after close, I started putting in the infrastructure that we needed for like our data closet and, um, you know, stuff in our, our gigabit fiber and that kind of stuff. I also then met with each one of the tenants and found out what they liked and didn't like. I ended up adding more lighting to the parking lot for safety, you know, like little things that were just really easy to solve for folks to make them happy. And then um, really that's about it. And as we're getting settled, we're going to, we know that we're going to um, take a closet and make that into a kitchenette, for example, very simple, just for microwave and coffee and stuff like that. And I know that we'll end up doing some window treatments because we'll need uh, to be able to darken the rooms. This is the first time any of my team will have had windows. Right. And so, but we're going to live in it for a minute until we decide what we want. So there's things on the to-do list, but um, for the most part, it's just about getting settled and kind of deciding how it feels and then making some decisions. That is pretty cool. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. You know, I have to admit, and I've said this to you privately, but publicly, I want to say that um, your desire to buy a building made me realize that it wasn't as big of a hairy, scary beast as I thought it was and that like I could step into that possibility too. So you're part of that inspiration. Well, thank you. And I feel like the fact that you and I could bounce these ideas off of each other and say, what are you going to do about this? How's that going to go? Sure does help. My goodness. Um, Okay. So one more question for you, and then I'll let you off the hook. What would your advice be for a entrepreneurial creative firm who's considering this kind of shift or, or any kind of shift in their physical location? What would you suggest that someone think through? 
So first of all, I think from a from a financial standpoint, and again, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a CPA, but I absolutely recommend any business separating a real estate holding from the actual business that you're performing uh, because it's just better tax advantages, um, better financial advantages. So talk to your CPA about that. Also, just run the math. You have to make sure that you know that the positive cash flow will end up, you know, if you're if you're going to take out a loan, you have to know that there's positive cash flow at the end of each month. You need to work with the previous owner and look at the historic expenses, um, not just utilities, but also things like um, when I actually had my property uh, inspected, the inspection company that I worked with gave me a five-year projected um, expense list for improvements, things like resealing the the, um, the parking lot and things like gutter repair. So that was really helpful knowing, um, since this is my first foray into um, commercial real estate, I felt really confident working with that company, but, you know, run the numbers. And then you have to understand, you have to figure out what kind of landlord you want to be. Um, are you going to offer triple net leases or are you going to have more um, traditional leases where you're supplementing some of the utilities and know kind of what that style is? And then you have to really get clear on how you're going to enforce your leases and make sure that people are honoring the agreements that they're signing seems pretty fair. I think we should check it back in one year when you're an expert and you've lived through four seasons of this and you should tell us again how it's going. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have sobbed and rocked in the corner a few times, but yeah, it's it'll be a good time. <laughs> I also think I'm going to tra- try this George Dickel bourbon. What? How good is this? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you liked it, share it with a friend. Here's what I want people to do. So you've got my story, right? But I want people to join me next time as I ask you about falling in love with a George Nelson design building, how long you watched for the right moment, and why 2020 was the right time to jump at the chance of owning a building that is so beloved. Sounds great. 